What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan. I am here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, what's going on, man? How you doing? Pat, it is disturbing what I gross. How are you doing, sir? <laughs> we got maybe the most packed week in Nostalgia Pod history. I think we have in total like 10 or 11 topics we're touching on. So this might be a particularly long episode. So feel free to, to bookmark this and, and come back to it as you need to. We know that our listeners consume this at different times of the day. We, we just appreciate all your support. Give us a subscribe uh, on YouTube somewhere below. Go to soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod and follow us there. Share us with, with our friends, with your friends, our friends, maybe if you want to. <laughs> and yeah, also give us a rating and review on iTunes and follow us there. We really appreciate it. All your feedbacks. Very much appreciate it. And Dave, I want to give you some credit here because one of our more successful breakout videos on YouTube recently has been our XXL or your XXL predictions. My feeble guesses to see who would be on it this year. And you nailed it, dude. All nine, right? They didn't pick a 10th spot. The nine that they did pick were nine we had. Again, some of those had leaked, but a lot of those I, I would have went with anyway. The only ones that I probably wouldn't have picked that leaked were Stefflon Don and Wabi and Namir, I think, should have waited. But overall... Yeah, nine for nine. Pretty solid list. You're pretty happy Wi-Fi's funeral got on there and Ski Mask as well. We reviewed both their projects recently, so check those out if you missed it. So no 10th spot, which means one guy we did predict didn't make it, which was T Grizzly. I thought that was a little curious that he wasn't there. Perhaps he turned it down. I really don't see a reason why he wouldn't get on there. But alas, the nine people that did make it we had, and we reasoned why all those people should or shouldn't get on there. So check out that XXL breakout patch just referenced for more on that. But yeah, uh, another year, the ciphers are starting to pop out this week. So pretty juiced that they more or less got everything right. So happy with that. Yeah, Dave, I, I was really surprised that you got all of them right. But you know, prior to us recording, we scrolling Twitter as we're, we're wont to do and came across both of our timelines that former XXL freshman from last year, someone we've talked about quite a bit this year, XXX Tentacion was shot just just prior to recording right now, we're not really sure what his status is, whether he is alive, whether he is dead. It doesn't really look very good for him from some of the videos that were posted. What's your initial reaction to this? Yeah, so as far as we know at the time of recording, he was rushed to a hospital. I saw some no pulse reports. Again, tough to know what's correct and what's not. But as of right now, he's been sent to the hospital. That's what we know. It's tough because, you know, we reviewed his most recent album, Question Mark, as you referenced, and that album was ma- massive. X is a very young rapper, but incredibly large fan base. And, you know, it's tough for me to really rationalize this because I'm not the biggest fan of his music per se, but I do recognize his influence and, you know, what he's doing. And also, on the other hand, he's done a lot of bad things in his short time on this earth. You know, there's a reason he's not on tour right now. There's a reason he was in jail for some time. There's some really gross things that he's done and said. And I know his fans will probably bring up the charity work he's done recently. And, you know, perhaps he is a bit of a changed man. I don't know. But, you know, it's tough to be happy that someone got murdered if that is what really happened. But on the other hand, I'm not going to just celebrate the man because I think he was kind of a bad guy. Maybe he was turning the corner. We don't know. Maybe he never will get the chance to keep doing that. But still kind of sad. You don't want to see violence in hip hop. He's kind of been someone to talk about it, though. So in a sense, some people would say, maybe he got what was coming to him because this is something he's you know like six nine he kind of flirted with so I, I don't know it's a tough situation yeah it definitely is i'm kind of thinking about the the pusher drake feud recently which mm-hmm. people were saying wow we haven't really heard disses like this in a long time you know people are referring back to like biggie and tupac days obviously not to that extent but i don't know if this was related to any 
feuds he had in, in hip-hop if this was even from the hip-hop world i saw some reports that it might have been a robbery it's definitely sad just because no matter how controversial and how this person presents i don't think anyone deserves to have their life taken from them in this manner without you know facing some sort of judgment and like going to the death penalty is not a conversation we're gonna <laughs> or a, a debate we're gonna have here today but it's interesting because i think this is one of those times and we've had to reckon with this more and more throughout this year not only around a situation like this but just as more and more people that a lot of people stand for are shown to be less than perfect i mean someone that was this week shown to be way less than perfect was chris hardwick with yeah. all the controversy and, and the allegations made against him by a former girlfriend. So it's definitely conflicting and something that we'll be talking about more. We just hope that he pulls through and that from there, uh, whatever consequences he were to face for th- things that he's done, he's able to face in, in that way. So let, let's move on to some happier news. An album I wanted to talk about for a couple weeks now, but I just forgot to mention to you. And finally, you got to Parquet Courts, Wide Awake. This is the, I believe, the, the fourth album from parquet courts um they have a lot of of projects on spotify but this Mm -hmm. is this is their fourth proper album um and this this album really blew me away Uh, i i know that you're not probably very familiar with them i've listened to one or two of their former projects and uh sunbathing animals I, i think was the name of their second or third project which i really liked but this one went up a level for me and i think it because it infused a lot more dance and that probably is attributed to danger mouse producing this but mm. what was your take on it not being a huge uh huge rock or parquet quartz guy uh yeah no i i didn't enjoy it a lot i thought the vocals were really engaging um perhaps because they're i don't know more alert sounding they're louder they're uh energetic you know um coming off of beach house you know, re- relatively <laughs> recently, Dream Pop, where you can barely make out their saying sometimes. It, it's refreshing to hear just a guy jamming on a guitar and actually, like, you know, singing a song, not being all emo mm-hmm. or moany. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was um, it was a gr- it was a, it was a great listen. It was a quick listen and mm-hmm. fun fun sound. You know, again, I like the guitars on it. Yeah, they're a band that hails from Brooklyn. They're possibly the most Brooklyn band ever. Their first project they ever released they released only on cassette it's like a limited cassette release in 2011 which, like you do <laughs> yeah i mean I, I don't know how many people even heard that before they probably put it on digital um you know i i think the song that uh, epitomizes this project to me is the the self-titled track uh wide awake it infuses so much like dance um uh, the needle drop said that it reminded him a little bit of LCD sound system in a way, which I actually thought was a great call because it keeps that like punk feeling to it, but adds a real dancey air, which I think is what makes us so great. Also their, their lyrics are very smart and uh, make a lot of actually really smart commentary on socio political um, events going on. So we really highly recommend this album. Uh, check out Freebird Two, total football wide awake. And when the water gets too high, I think are the four that stand out to me, but really there's not, like a bad song on this album. Yeah, I like that transition too. Yeah, the next mm-hmm. song's called Freebird 2. And I actually like checked it. I was like, is, is that true? Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're definitely a cool band, so check them out. We're going to touch on some new hip-hop people, at least a person I'm not very aware of, Juice World. Tell me about this guy. Yeah, so Juice World, relatively new rapper slash singer. One SoundCloud EP, one SoundCloud mixtape as of last year and then he just dropped his debut album 
goodbye and good riddance on uh, May 23rd. So it's uh, you know been bubbling for about a month or so. And you know, he's someone who's been on my radar for a while, but hadn't really checked into him. And then I realized that Juice World got his lead single, Lucid Dreams. Uh, he got a music video from Cole Bennett. And I was like, I'll check it out. And next thing you know, that song's blowing the fuck up. Debuted at 74, then jumped to 35, then 15, then 9. And this week, it's number six on the charts in the country. Crazy. Solely based off streams. It was the most streamed song on Spotify last week. Estimated right now, like 50 million streams. It's really incredible how meteoric this has been. His other song off the record, All Girls Are the Same, is... I was 49 last week. We'll find out where it is this week uh, tomorrow. But impressive to see yet another Chicago artist, a young kid, 19 years old, just kind of blow the fuck up again, you know? And his sound is interesting. You listen to Lucid Dreams, of course, and you'll hear that, you know, this guy... He's not a trapper like G Herbo from Chicago, you know. He's not. He's not like Chief Keef, but he's also not really like Chance or anyone else that we associate with the Chicago sound today. He's, no. if anything, he's a lot like uh, Little Peep, the late Little Peep, or uh, I guess XXX Tassion's Sad, or uh, even Little Post Malone. He's very melodic, very uh, sing songy, like emo-y, and teenage teenage angst. I guess is kind of like the the crux of his lyrics and while i don't think the project is amazing i think there are some good songs in there uh, black and white i really liked as well but the melodies like he definitely has something you can hear when you listen to it just because even well the songs maybe don't have the deepest message you know it's really just about like he's an emotional guy and he's had some heartbreak and he uses drugs like that's kind of like the gist of juice world right now but when you hear the songs and they get stuck in your head just because his melodies are so catchy. That Very catchy. I th- he'll have a, a good future for sure. I mean, he signed a $3 million Interscope deal a few months ago before his album even dropped. Yeah, he's uh, prime for success. What'd you think of Lucid Dreams? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought it was it was very catchy. I like I just like like the total vibe of it. It, very, it fits the genre of music I really enjoy, which is just kind of like this. It was, I don't know if trancy is the right word for it, but it just kind of has this air around it where it sucks you in. You almost feel like you're just like, inside the song you know, just kind of go back to something you said though about how it was the most streamed song on spotify for last week that's a week where kanye and cuddy dropped a project where christina aguilera and and kygo i think also dropped a single so that speaks a lot to potential that that this kid has at least as like a pop star if not a you know a rap artist for the future to come so <laughs> someone will probably be talking about a lot more any last thoughts on the album before we move on uh, definitely give it a check out at least those you know notable singles just just to kind of get again get a gist of a feel. what this sound is because since a little peep passed we haven't had someone really jump up and take that place as kind of this melt you know melding of hip-hop and emo so it's mm-hmm. uh well again like i don't think the project's amazing i think lyrically he has some work to do again it, the, mel- the melodies alone are worth worth the listen someone that i think is totally worth the listen we neglected to speak about last week out of pure uh, forgetfulness and, and somewhat ignorance on our part georgia smith her debut album lost and found man uh i was listening to this on a, a warm summer drive to my my family's cottage on the lake uh, speak, speaking of privilege and uh man I, this was like the most uh surprising and um just like the perfect driving music i felt like i was like sitting in like a cat like a cafe with like rain coming down outside and like she was just sitting on a stool by herself, like playing these melodies, and I was loving it, dude. Uh, her voice is goddamn angelic. Like mm-hmm. she's she just is a wonderful artist. I mean, uh, she's done some some work before. I think her song was it Blue 
Blue Lights. Blue Blue Lights what, has been out for what a year or two now. Uh, twenty sixteen. I think she dropped that when she was eighteen. She's twenty one now. It just turned twenty one last week. And that was probably like my third or fourth favorite song from this project, which I think being her most popular speaks to just how deep this record goes as well. Um, you know, I, I think my, my question for you, because I think you liked it, but what was your favorite track? Yeah, it's a good question. I really like <laughs> Blue Lights. I think Blue Lights is fantastic. I think Teenage Fantasy, though, another previously released song is probably my favorite song on there, but uh, Where Did I Go is really good. Uh, tomorrow. Lost and Found is yep. constantly in my head. Hell just yeah. And then immediately went onto my playlist. And even again, she just turned 21, but in a short amount of time, she's also had some like notable guest spots, like uh, the Kali Uchis song Tyrant. Yep. Uh, Let Me Down, a Lucy she did with Stormzy. Uh, she has the two songs on Drake's More Life, and then she has the song on the Black Panther soundtrack. And she's, you know, she's been around, and this is really coming off of this is like her really first real project. I mean, she has the project 11 ep that dropped in late 2016 but that's only four tracks so between those four tracks and a few uh lucy's it's really just this album but she has such like a mature sound for a young yeah. r&b singer and it's not like produced at all it's very minimal production and because she's you know a vocal driven r&b artist it really stands out but also she sounds way more mature than her, her age i think her lyrical content's really impressive and you know, I'm shout out Drake for making sure we found her because uh, she's, you know, she's fucking really talented. I mean, I, I didn't actually realize this till recently, but she supported Drake on one of his recent uh, UK tours because she's from the UK. Um, and then he kind of like mentioned her in an Entertainment Weekly article, and that's what really got her attention over here. But um, you know, you you have to think that she would have bust out eventually anyway, given the immense talent. But I'm happy. It, it's uh, already here because she's uh, going to be around a fucking long time. She's great. Definitely. And, you know, she kind of falls into this category that uh, she's a little bit different in terms of this being her first album. These other two artists were a bit more established before they broke out the last two years. But Solange and SZA mm. come to mind when I, when I hear her just because she's a, she has a very distinct sound. Um, I think SZA and Solange fall a little bit more onto the the whole sound the sonic sound of their music as well sure. as their vocals they are on the level of georgia but um just that uh singer uh singer songwriter vibe that comes with them and, and being this huge breakout i think i have a feeling we're, we're gonna be talking about her at the end of the year and just as like an artist for years to come um really really wonderful album so please check out lost and found georgia smith's debut single someone else that was featured on the black panther album your guy, J-Rock. Ah. And I freaked it. Yes, indeed. And he dropped his fourth album, Redemption. A third album. Third album. Follow Me Home in 2011, 90059, 2015, and now Redemption. And Rock, obviously, as any rap fan would know, was the first black hippie artist on TDE. He uh, precedes Kendrick in that regard. Kendrick Lamar used to be J-Rock's hype man. J-Rock has been the game a fucking long-ass time. And... Uh, you know his uh you know his history with Kendrick actually kind of pops back up on Wow Freestyle on Redemption because they have yeah. a lot of songs that kind of sound like that so that was a cool little time capsule for me and for I think for most people that listened but uh yeah I think so what'd you think of this rock album because 90059 which I think is a good album did not make much of a commercial impact I think it debuted 16 
for uh, the album chart, 19,000. So pretty underwhelming considering the uh, profile of TV at the time. Again, that was post Pimpa Butterfly 2015. Right. Um, and I think if you listen to Redemption, you'll know that Rock, I think, tried to lean into commercial viability in a few few moments. Uh, and, you know, I'm curious what you think about that because uh, I think his strength is storytelling, not hook making. But he definitely tried to, you know, lean yeah. into hooks a little bit on this. What'd you think? That's actually what I was going to say is listening to just a couple of songs off some of his past, uh, past projects, I got the sense that uh, sort of like Nas and, and another artist when we talk about Black Thought in a way, he's very good with narrative and he can like really s- spin a yarn as the kids might say uh, in a song. But when it comes to, you know, this album Redemption, one, I was kind of, uh, I was hoping maybe you could shed some light on why it was called Redemption. If there was something like if that had some meaning or if it was just maybe because of the song Redemption on here. Um, but it did seem like he was trying to become a little bit more radio. Like he really wanted to get one of these to, to hit and catch on. Um, it's got to be a little bit humbling to start before Kendrick Lamar and then see him rise to this this meteoric fame. Although I got to be honest, when, when they were you know going at each or I don't know about at each other, but going back and forth mm-hmm. on Wow Freestyle, I was like this is awesome. Like, this is what I want to hear more of. Or even a song like um, For What It's Worth, I thought was when he was at his best. Although I didn't hate the vibe of the album, even when he tried to be more commercial. I was like, you know what? This isn't bad. Like, I can I can get down to this. I can listen to this. And his features on this are great. Yeah. So I, I got to say, it's a really solid effort. But um, did you like it as much as I did? No, I, I really liked it. And I, I think those commercial leanings, I think Troopers and Knock It Off, Mm-hmm. definitely stand out in terms of the hooks in terms of what rock himself is doing for the performance even the uh, lead single win 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 like it's <laughs> you know it's it's definitely trying to get on the radio and i mean heck even king's dead which was from the black panther soundtrack a uh, stripped down version is on this album minus james mm-hmm. blake and uh, kendrick's verse but you know that's the you know i gotta go get it i gotta go get it like that's not um exactly lyrics that we expect from rock you know right. and king's dead was on the radio a little bit so i guess you know it worked for him but i mean to your point about kendrick passing him on uh what's the song uh, broke plus minus i'm just yep. part of the winning team call me marlon jackson and it's like <laughs> dog you don't have to be marlon jackson you're a little more accomplished right. than that but we get the point yeah to your point about the features i thought uh cole's Cole fe- was great cole's features really good definitely fits they're a great pair uh, wow mm-hmm. freestyles we said for K dot. Uh, tap out another radio-ish leaning, but Jeremiah really brings it on this. Um, and Redemption, the title track with SZA, again, really good. And I mm-hmm. thought probably my favorite song that's just rock is Rotation 112th. Um, I, did, that's a, I really like his hook on this. So overall, I think it's a impressive album. With um, you know, He's definitely leveled up a little bit. Definitely, he understands his place in the game, and he's trying to you know grow more, despite his, you know, in his 30s already. And I hope it uh, works out for him in terms of, you know, some numbers because I think he, he deserves it. I mean, I think that this is an album worth listening to. And if you don't really know J-Rock, I, I recommend listening to some of his earlier stuff just to kind of get a vibe for him before you move into this. Because this is definitely a bit of a uh, step in a different direction for him. You know, to move on to some some other artists who a bit more established, but similar in the same vein. Black Thought. So he's the uh, lead singer, lead rapper. Yeah. Uh, lead vocalist anyway lead vocalist of the roots 
Um, if you don't know the roots, watch Jimmy Fallon, uh, which is like the least important thing they've ever yeah. done. But still, like, <laughs> they have, probably where most people know him. They have 11 albums, but yeah, now they're just the house band for Jimmy Fallon. It's kind of like right. they're kind of like overqualified for that to <laughs> put be blunt. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you don't know who the Roots are, go listen to Tipping Point. Like, just in general, that album is fantastic, and that's like one of their top yeah. four or five. Like, they're just class. They're 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 legendary at this point. Yeah, they're one of the greatest rap groups of all time, bar none. Uh, top five easily. It really depends where you want to put them, but they're they're right there. Uh, yeah. So Black Thought released his first solo project called Streams of Thought Volume One. Five songs, seventeen minutes, which is funny because I think uh, I think when he started to I don't know if it's do promotion or just make himself uh, known outside of the roots a little bit within the past year, he did a freestyle over a Funk Master uh, a Funk Master Funk? Flex freestyle yeah. that was back in December that was ten mm. minutes long mm-hmm. and it was I mean it, if you want your ear earphones to just catch on fire <laughs> like just just put that on it's amazing um, and this this is a lot of the same. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what I left with is like Black Thought is just one of the best storytellers, one of the best uh, like lyrically, uh, I don't know, competent rappers that I yeah. can ever like of our generation, probably. But he's nothing that gets me more excited than if I want to listen to something meaningful, I'll put on Black Thought, but I don't really want to like listen to this all the time. I agree. It's fucking dense. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Uh, you know there's a lot to chew on there it requires multiple listens and you know due to the brevity of the album you know it's a taste or you know ep it's a taste Mm -hmm. of you know what's to come and you know this is it's weird given how long he's been in the game you know 30 fucking years you'd think he'd have more solo efforts like he has the the live mixtape with j period from 2015 that's not even on streaming this is his first one that's on you know mainstream streaming Mm -hmm. um so, you know, you, you, you'd think he'd have more by now. But, you know, he's been doing other things. Uh, he was Reggie Love on the Deuce. You know? Yeah. Great, great, great role. Uh, and like Method Man, he was great in, as an actor. Um, I actually thought Rhapsody was a good feature on this. Uh, mm-hmm. Granted, she had the rap Trey Young bar. And I'm like, Trey Young could be a bust. So that might date <laughs> yourself soon. So we'll see. But, yeah, overall, uh, Black Thought, uh, we want more. Let's put it that way. Well, but before we, we speak on Black Thought, uh, Trey Young a bust. He's gonna be a Nick soon, dog. I fucking definitely hope a bust, not, dude. I'm really hoping the, ma- the Magic take him six, so he's not even in the conversation. For the Knicks. <laughs> That's my the, it, Trey Young to the Knicks is doomsday scenario. There's so many guys I would take, but not him. Yeah. Have you have you seen <laughs> the Roots live before? No, I have not. Um, I haven't either, and I really want to, but I feel like they're always touring with somebody different. Like I'm, it's like the roots with Usher or the roots with John Mayer. And I'm right. like, eh, I don't know if I need the roots of John Mayer. Are they at every roots picnic? Is that yes. a stupid question? They are at every one, right? Yeah. Well, they're they're in New York all the time anyway, so they're right. just like, eh, we're gonna go do a quick set and get that that festival bank. Right. So, um, by the way, I heard uh, I heard at Firefly Kendrick Lamar, which is this is the second time being at Firefly since the festival started. He performed in 2013. I saw him. He came out like 30 minutes late, hmm. played for only like 45 minutes an hour. And the whole time he was like, this is my first time in Delaware. My first time at this festival. And everybody's like, what? No, <laughs> what? That's so, so weird. Yeah. 
It was a, sounds really strange. Because the tour I just saw, he played for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dog. Uh, Kendrick Lamar is on another one, but I mean, he probably doesn't give a fuck about these festivals. I think maybe someone that we don't really talk about, haven't really talked about, because he hasn't really done anything worth talking about. Your guy Nas. I mean, been four years since, or what, four six years since his last album, and I mean Nas. It's been six I mean, years. My crazy. I mean, Life we, is good. Twenty twelve. Yeah, you were what a sophomore in college as a yeah. junior. Yeah, what time of year to come out? Yes, <laughs> long time ago. Crazy. Yeah, so Nas dropped an album. Kanye produced Good Music Fridays, uh, called Nasir, and it's a strange time for Nas because he's facing these allegations of domestic violence from his ex-wife, mm-hmm. and he's never really addressed them other than some like comments saying that you know it's her taking shots at him media slandering him and that's basically what he says and you know broadly on this album but never really addresses it seven songs like all the rest of the good music projects and he's he's not even on good music though i'm not sure why he followed through with the (laughs) you know he could have got other people to give him a few more beats if kanye was dead set on seven but Mm -hmm. alas it's seven tracks (laughs) and out of all the projects that Kanye has dropped, this is the one I was probably least excited for and least impressed by. Um, not 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 so much for Kanye's part in this. I think the production is still great and the samples that he yeah. pulls are just like he has a Red Dawn sample in there at one point. Uh, he pulls from two Iranian pop stars and also had another amazing Slick Rick sample um, on Cop Shot the Kids, yeah. which just that, that song is fire um and this is a good project but i just kind of left being like man i don't know where i stand on nas at this point like he had some awesome bars and then he had things that i was like just scratching my head at like that whole like fox news was started by a black person like saying that these things are facts alongside i was just like what are you trying to do you try are you trying to be provocative are you trying to like spread conspiracy i don't know i don't know where he's at and i'm wondering for you as someone who's a huge fan of hip-hop, and Nas obviously is like almost like a godfather of, of hip-hop at this point. I, mean, I just saw maybe, him last year. Yeah, at the Meadows, right? Mm-hmm. And how was he then? He was great. He, is, he has a lot of hits. They're yeah. not as, pop, as mainstream as Jay-Z, but he's still got fucking hella hits. How did you feel about this album, then? Yeah, I, I kind of have the same thoughts I have about all of these Good Friday runs. Seven tracks. The good shit stands out more. The lackluster mm-hmm. shit stands out more. Right. Uh, if it's only three or four good tracks, then there's not enough there to, you know, lift it up. It's it's just, it's harder for the album to stand out because it has less to work with. Especially an artist like Nas, who has Illmatic, one of the greatest rap records of all time, Stillmatic, one of the best follow-ups of all time. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's got so many top-tier records, and he's 44. It's tough to expect <laughs> him to knock it out of the park right now, but jay-z released his best album in 15 years last year at 444 he's what 47 yeah. he's 48 you know he's a few not not he's older so you would have thought Nas perhaps could have had this these allegations motivate him to get a little more introspective at the same time my thoughts around this album is that it came together more recently Nas album done legendary dj Khaled joint from 2016 <laughs> We just now got an album. I'm pretty sure 
Kanye got in Nas's head and was like, no, 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 I got the idea of the seven. And Nas was like, oh, cool. So he probably scrapped or put whatever he had to the side and he just made this instead. Kind of like what Kanye did to Ye when shit hit the fan. So I don't really judge Nas for it being good, not great. But I do think it's good. I think uh, Cop Shot the Kid, like you said, is fucking awesome. The song with Diddy's really great. Not uh, not for radio. Yeah, the samples, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. really pop, really stand yep. out. And uh, he's still a good storyteller. I think Life is Good is fucking awesome. And that proved that it's not like Nas needs EA. I don't think he needed EA's beats either. Right. He would have been fine without him. But again, it's a short album, so you have less time to stand out and you know make, make your point. And he didn't totally do it, but it's still good. The emotional centerpiece of this album is everything, um, which is the mm-hmm. with the dream. Well, also, yeah, the only thing off this album that, or the only title that's not capitalized, which I also find uh, there's got to be something behind that. But it's seven minutes long, and the dream is great in it, and I think Nas verse in it. But just as like the emotional centerpiece of this album, I just kind of left like, eh. Like just I, I want I want simple things. I want not for radio. I want cop shot the kids. I want Nas going hard and like it, when when he tries to get to these I don't know emotional places, it d- really doesn't land for me. So that was probably the track I liked the least. Um, I kind of found myself just wanting to skip it every time it came on. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them I thought are good to great songs. Like I think cop shot the kids is a great song. So, uh, you know, like I said, it left me a little disappointed, but. Also, for where I, what I was expecting, what I was looking for from these good Friday drops, quote-unquote, um, this was probably uh, the one I cared about the least anyway. So, Tiana Taylor next week, ready to see what she can do to her debut album. So Second album second? debut? I forget. Yeah. At, at least debut with good music, right? So Yeah, it'll be her first that's hopefully made an impact. Her last stuff hasn't didn't do much for her, so we'll see. So we forgot Georgia last week, and we're like, ah, well, we're going to have a packed show this week, but we'll be able to get through it. And then Saturday night rolls around. I go on Twitter, and there it is, Jay-Z and, and Beyonce at a concert in Europe somewhere, London? I'm pretty yeah, sure. Wherever. Dropped, <laughs> they, they're like, oh, well, uh, guess what, what just dropped on title? The Carters dropped an album. Everything is love. The Carters, yeah. In the card that annoys me it, it it's pretty campy i feel like but regardless we'll, we'll we'll get into it everything is love i guess you you said on twitter the trilogy is complete which it, i mean it, it makes sense you know beyonce had lemonade 2016 jay-z 444 last year you already prefaced it saying it's probably his best work in 15 years mm-hmm. beyonce's lemonade was widely heralded as the best album of the year in 2016 Except for the um, Grammys, they still liked Adele more. <laughs> oh, and and they haven't forgotten it. Um, man, this album. First of all, fuck them for dropping it surprised on a Saturday. Like, I, what a as, flex! As someone, what a yeah, flex! As, they're they're just like we don't care. We'll drop this whenever. Like, people are gonna listen. People are gonna make title accounts, and then they're gonna just drop it on Spotify anyway. Shout out to me. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, it's every song on this is is good. Like, there's no bad songs to me on this. But for some reason, I just kind of left this being like, I didn't need this. Like, I I didn't need to hear this this the Carter's album. Uh, I'm wondering if you liked it. I'm wondering if if you care about the Carters. I don't know. Where where are you at with all of this? So just for to preface the name thing on views, 
Drake's album, Child's Play, right? Child's, Child's Play? Yeah, Child's Play featuring, right? Or no, Pop Style. Pop Style featuring The Throne. It's like, no, no. <laughs> Kanye West and Jay Z. We're not, no one called you the right. fucking throne. Stop this shit. So it's like the Carters. I'm like, what is this? Like a, a business contract you signed? Beyonce and Jay Z. I'm sure you'll put Beyonce's name first. Like, let's call out is you know so it pops up in fucking spotify when you search their name anyway yeah i'm i'm with you on this when when we said the trilogy is complete jay-z eliminated in 444 are very much companion pieces and then every everything is love is it's like a victory lap this is just them stunting and be like mm. yeah we still in love even though we're this rich and we've been been around this long you know it's like right it's not like it's like a true follow-up per se but i guess it's the follow-up they wanted to make <laughs> and also because they're i was on the run to tour He's about to kick off domestically. Exactly. This is probably the timing for why this dropped now. That being said, man, do I feel bad for Nas. Um, <laughs> they've been good for a while, yeah. as far as we know. But it's like, man, like, Jay, we already know you're going to outsell him. Give him a little time. Because, <laughs> I mean, I think it, uh, Nas' Nas album kind of... drop on Spotify for like... I don't know. Is that not to cut you off? But it didn't even drop on Spotify for like more than a couple hours before they dropped this. So it wasn't yeah, even really on streaming. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Chris Rock tweeted that meme of Nas, and it's like he got he was there was more talk about how the fact that it wasn't on. There's like, how do you get this to work? You know, it's like. So I kind of felt bad for Nas in that regard. Maybe if the album was a little better, he could stand out more. But again, Jay Z and Beyonce. I agree with you though. I think everything's really great, but I don't know if like I need needed any of this. Like I think ape shit is what everyone's talking about is the best song. And I really like Nice and 713. Shout out Beyonce for fucking interpolating Still Dre for crying out loud. <laughs> and I think overall, the what I take away from this is that Beyonce has probably surpassed Jay-Z. Like, Hove is... Oh, not it, even close. Like, in, in terms of, like, right now, like, what they're doing now. Again, 444 is fucking amazing. So I think my number right. three album of last year. But, you know, when you put them together, it's like, Hove is just content to do just be him do bay's backup vocals fucking cool. let it breathe M- migo's ad lib for her and she let she, it breathe again their chemistry together as artists you know, yeah so fucking obvious that they can just crap out this album and it's really good at the worst where where do these songs compare to other other collaborations obviously they've been together for what 17 years is it early 2000s right from a blueprint two arrows when they first collabed on a uh, bonnie and clyde but like what do you, what do you, what's your go-to song from them was it crazy in love or drunken love even upgrade you i think is my favorite one but I mean, they have a lot of good songs together already i mean drunken love is just a classic uh i think all these songs are better than change clothes and go pretty much my only take i don't know it's is she on change say. clothes I thought that's just jay-z and pharrell Maybe it is, but I, I I think she's in the music video at least from what yeah, I can remember. Sure. So man, I don't know. Like, I, where I stand with this is everything Beyonce did on this album I found so much more interesting than Jay Z. Even though I feel like some of what he was actually talking about were the best lines and the lines that sure. were the the things that intrigued me the most, like Super Bowl line, Super Bowl line. Um, you know, talking about like his first time in the ocean, I thought was really interesting. <laughs> Called out the Grammys, like yeah, there were things in there I was like. <laughs> I was like, these are all like interesting things, but then Beyonce would just come in and she would start rapping like on ape shit, mm-hmm. or um, even just watching in the music video. Like, I can't take my eyes off Beyonce, and I think that's where where the culture's at right now. Is Beyonce is literally the queen? She's Queen B. Any anytime anyone fuses with Beyonce, they're just getting a bunch of B emojis everywhere, and she just dominates. And mm-hmm. Jay Z's like, 
ah, I'm just going to throw you alley-oops. I'm just going to yeah. take the shot when you pass it out to me, LeBron. Like, that's pretty much what it's like right now. So, yeah, I agree. I don't know. I, I also wasn't, like, super impressed with, like, the, the production of this album. So yeah, it's competent, but it doesn't stand out at all. Um, yeah. Yeah, to your point about Jay-Z's lyrics, I also liked uh, Boss. Everyone thinks he's uh, going out at Drake mm-hmm. on those verses. Uh, tough time for, for Drizzy right now between Pusha T and Jay-Z throwing shots at you and... <laughs> Although uh, <laughs> before we start recording, it was announced Jay Z is now the president of Puma's basketball uh, yeah. operations. So like, I don't, I don't know if that if that's a win or a, or a loss for him. Like, yeah, I mean, it's very very confusing. <laughs> sidebar on that: they signed, uh, they're signing DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, and Zaire Smith, who are all lottery talents. Bagley and Ayton probably top top four, you know. Right. And then they they get Jay Z to head it. I'm like, hmm. Well, Jay Z was really influential in title, you know, that right. went well. He was really in, he was the minority owner of the Brooklyn Nets. That went well. Uh, Rock Nation Sports is kind of petered off in terms of sports agency. So Robbie Cano, yeah. <laughs> so know, and what man. Cespedes? Ooh, good one. Uh, so you know yeah. that's interesting. But <laughs> you know, I think to your point about like Jay Z doesn't stand out as much on this besides the you know moments of you know lyrical dexterity. I think it's by design. I think Jay-Z was happy to just kind of, you know, go with the flow on this. And by going with the flow, that means letting Beyonce fucking run shit. And this is, and this is not even, like, peak Beyonce. It's nowhere close. So no. I think that's why, like, we didn't really need this because it's like, this doesn't scratch the top tier of either of their discographies. just kind of there. It's like, it's the victory lap. It's, you really can't ask for more from it. It's funny because as I'm, like, thinking about all the albums we talked about, I think the two we talked about at the beginning... Uh, parquet courts and georgia smith are probably the two i'll come back to the most out of all these uh probably uh cop shot the kids will be the song i listen to most out of any of these but mm-hmm. like overall with all of these it's it's i don't know about disappointing but just not really blowing me away something that that blew me away though the first season of legion that show stylistically and just weirdness uh factor really put that show ahead of everything else and we, we prefaced legion uh, a couple weeks back we haven't touched on it in after a while, the premiere it? or after the second episode was it yeah i think it was after the premiere i believe um we haven't touched on it in a while just with uh trying to bring you other things to talk about it wrapped up last week and uh, i think stylistically this show is still one of the most intriguing on tv and i think a lot of the performances are good, but I left feeling kind of, kind of like something was missing this season. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think anything was necessarily off, but I think that I think it was a lot of like, I don't know if misdirections right. I think it was just a lot of false starts. Like mm-hmm. they started to go in one direction with a storyline. Like uh, how do you say his name? Patanami, but going in, into the computer, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you see him like two more times inside the computer. And then right. they're talking about Carrie and Carrie and their sort of role reversal. And then yeah. they kind of petered off from that. It's like it never really got traction in any direction other than is David going to be good or is he going to be bad? Right. Uh, and I, I think I think a big part of this is season one was eight episodes. Season two was 11 episodes. Right. You never should add episodes to any season, no matter what it is. Um, and taking away when it's that many is usually um, the right move. Obviously, Game of Thrones shouldn't have taken any away last season as we've said before but with this season adding three more episodes it's weird because season one you know 
David's mental state was really the driving force of the season in terms of like right. what was real, what wasn't. Uh, is he just insane? Is he really powerful? You know, like that was so much more compelling than what we got in season two for the majority of the season is you, we thought once uh, the Shadow King was expelled from him in season one, David seems much more um, alert and all there, right? Mm-hmm. And that's combined with a much more straightforward narrative. I just found it less interesting. And I think part of that, it's like this story was just dragged out too long. They were searching for Farouk's body forever. They right. didn't need to do it this long. And it's annoying because, like you said, there's all these supporting characters that I think do the actors are giving good performances and they are intriguing characters, but they're still more or less ciphers. Like, Carrie and Carrie, like, we get the taste, oh, she knows how to fight, but she doesn't understand figures of speech, let alone bodily functions. Hmm, wonder how that's going. We never get it again. Um, Melanie Bird, completely absent the whole fucking season until the very end. And when she is around, she's more or less, it's revolving around her love of Oliver. Kind of annoying, yeah. considering how Which great is, Jean Smart is as an actress, as we saw in Fargo season two. Yeah, exactly. And also, I, I forget the guy who plays Oliver, but he's also fantastic. You know, yeah, like Jermaine Clement. Yeah. Yep. I mean, like you have those two people and you just can't figure out how to really use them. Uh, Oliver is a, a cipher for the, you know, Farouk for the shit. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? I, it, it's a little frustrating in a way, especially because I think what they what they try to do with having you know, these extra episodes, like you mentioned, was they tried to use one or two of them to really flesh out those characters. Like, they had the episode that centered around Sid's storyline and, and her past and David exploring that. And then they had the other one that where David was trying to figure out what everybody else's inner desires or inner, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, what, what they're looking for and him trying to help them Right, with the that. mazes, yeah. Yeah, and bring them back. And it kind of left me just not really caring. Like I didn't change how I felt about any of these characters really, except for maybe Sid a little bit, maybe, maybe invest in David and Sid a little bit more. I think the Sid one was definitely closest, but sure. I mean, to that point again, like Potomini's power is that he remembers everything. So he's a convenient (laughs) exposition dump, but like Mm -hmm. you never do anything with it. Once we realize that he would like to forget some things, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's just frustrating. And I'm not trying to cheat on the season. I still think it's good. And I'm, I'm kind of right. coming at this as like it's a Mr. Robot season two, where I think where we're, where we're getting to for season three could be really fucking exciting and hopefully really great. Yeah. I, I actually had the same thought is, you know, something like Mr. Robot, where the first four episodes of the season, the season two, you were kind of like, where is this going? And then it really sets up for season three, which ends up being, I mean, probably three of the show's most thrilling scenes are in that season, at least in my book. Um, and I think, I think David, you know, going full heel with, with Lenny is going to be just awesome to watch. You mm-hmm. putting Dan Stevens and Aubrey Plaza and just letting them like run amok is going to be fantastic. Right. And, and the scenes where David gets to just kind of like use his powers are some of the, the best ones to watch. Like him and Farouk having that final battle with the animation going on. I was like, in that scene of him just like floating above the ground towards Farouk, I was like, yes. Like I have mm-hmm. Sauron and the clouds above them. <laughs> like I was like, this is what I'm, what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know. It, it's hard because I don't really care a lot about the, the secondary characters and they're going to have to do a little bit of development around them in order to really establish them trying to beat david or however that goes but overall i still think this is a good show like it's worth watching 
Yeah, I think in season three, there's the opportunity and probably the necessity now is that Sid will become perhaps the main protagonist because mm-hmm. David is you know, the villain. He's kind of becoming more like his comic character. Um, so I'm excited about that. How did you feel about the uh, John Hamm uh, narrative, uh, you know, interludes throughout the season? A on the nose. What did you think of those? I thought they looked nice, at least. And John Hamm's a great voice actor. Yeah, I think John Hamm's one of like the best voice actors. Like him and Cranston for guys are the ones I I think of most. Um, but I, th- I thought they were a little bit on the nose. Um, yeah. It's just kind of na- holding your hand too much. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the thing about Legion is it's a show that didn't really hold your hand in the first season. Like it, it and it didn't really hold your hand that much at other parts of the second season. Like I had left very confused <laughs> in certain episodes. Like I was texting a friend of the, the show, uh, Sean McKenna. And I was like man, am I supposed to know what's going on in Legion right now? Because I'm a little bit lost. And he's like, I don't, I have no idea what's going I, on. I read a lot of, re- I read a recap every episode. Uh, that, really that helped, definitely helps. Help hone it in. But yeah, I mean, I thought in some of those John Hamm moments, it was kind of like a thin connection to what the actual plot was at the time. So I didn't think they were always necessary. But, you know, again, like the, old, like the, the A to B of Legion season two is so much simpler than season one. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean it was more coherent, you know. So overall, I what'd still you think like of, like the show. What do you think of Amy and everything that happened with her this season? Uh, well, I thought that was actually one of the be- the great the best scenes, bringing Lenny back into the fold physically. Mm-hmm. That was really cool, really great. Um, yeah, and everything, the whole finale, I think, is fantastic in terms of the Sid Sid versus David. In terms of like, you know, once she realizes where he's going. I think that all really works well. And the other thing that kind of annoyed me about the season is Farouk kind of like kept like bringing up about how he was like not the real villain and like perhaps sympathetic. And I'm like, dog, you done some fucked up shit. Like, I, this is not going to work for me. But <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, David's in jail and Farouk is literally sitting there free. I'm like, yo, like this guy still did awful shit. You can't just let him run free. But man, the, the whole like David mentally drugging Sid and like yeah. taking advantage of her sexually, like, that's a tough look, like for mm-hmm. David at the end of the season, man. Um, if if there's one way to like turn him heel, I guess like that's a good start. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm excited for the, the third season. Noah Hawley um, has one of my uh, I think as Bill Simmons called it, like my, my season pass. Like no matter right. what he does, I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> you got tickets, so already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm excited for season three. I think you are too. Something we were both excited for as well. Incredibles two dropped yeah. this weekend it's been what 13 years 14 years 2003 years. so that's uh, even, oh, i guess sorry or yeah this i mean pixar puts out quality movies all the time even their they're not so great movies like cars two and three are i guess watchable like they're they're not they're not they're still watchable trainers. for kids at least you know exactly for half of who they're going for um but this was uh far beyond that i, I mean if i had to give this like a Rating out of 100, it'd be high 80s for me, probably. For, oh, wow. I'm higher, uh, I think. You're higher, like, what, 93, 94, something like that? Oh, yeah, I'm thinking, like, 9.5. I have, I have, like, no complaints about this film. I think it's fucking great. Yeah, and I, I for Black Panther, for, uh, you know, Avengers Infinity War, I think this might be my favorite superhero movie of the year to this point. Um, I mean, Black, Black Panther has yeah. a much larger social uh right. meaning behind it and i need to see black panther in this again to really figure out between the two but i i have it above avengers right now 
Yeah, so tell me why you'd give it like a 9.5 for you. So I think I think Incredibles 2, I think Brad Bird really brings his talents to this yet again. Uh-huh. Um, the action is just so, so coherent and great <laughs> and still awesome to watch. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's so funny in, in the era of green screens and $250 million blockbuster budgets. It's an animated movie that brings us back to like true action greatness and it's what a breath of fresh air it's just so it's hilarious not actually when you think about it but yeah i mean i think it it's a perfect follow-up because not only does it pick up right where the show lefts off but it doesn't try and run it back it, it does mm-hmm. things different and it's just incredibly entertaining the whole time incredibly entertaining that's right dave uh great great word for it um yeah you know i think the thing i really appreciate about this movie is they they let all the characters except for maybe edna and uh frozone i guess because they're just tertiary characters to the story but they let they let all the the incredibles the the par family they all develop Mm -hmm. in a different way even jack jack who is still a baby like he's probably the best part of the movie like seeing Uh, him the whole raccoon scene is fucking great but he becomes a recurring bit in the best possible way yeah, I mean, one of the scenes that sticks out most to me is when they're in that final ship. I guess spoiler alert if you haven't, if you haven't seen the movie, you're listening. <laughs> yeah, just come back later. Um, when he becomes big, like out of nowhere, he somehow has the power to become super big. And like, just thinking about like uh, you were he thinking, how they're gonna power. Power. <laughs> It's amazing. Like, uh, he's an omega mutant in the the um, right X Men world. But yeah, I mean. Uh, I loved all the stuff with Mr. Incredible learning to be a stay at home dad and like actually developing in that, not just being right. like incompetent the whole time, which was satisfying. And I thought that was a great choice as the B plot because a, it's a believable coherent and worthwhile B plot. A lot of B plots and superhero movies are really frivolous mm-hmm. and it also follows up on the character. Um, Bob is as a big ego. It's a big part yep. of season one. That's why uh, half the reason syndrome becomes bad, you know, mm-hmm. And to have, follow that up and have Elastigirl be the star and have him have to gripe with that and, you know, figure out basic dad shit and like the horrors of new math, you know, I thought <laughs> you're a great decision, great choice. Um, I actually thought the MVP of the movie for me, though, Jack Jack aside, he's definitely the most entertaining mm-hmm. guy whenever he's on screen. But I actually thought Violet was my yeah. favorite character in this movie. I thought, like, and like, again, it's not anything we've never seen before a teenage girl, you know, going through, going through some shit. And having mm-hmm. a dad figure out how to deal with that. It's not that's not groundbreaking, but just the way it works and the way it flows through the movie is just so perfect. Yeah, and also I mean, she's the MVP because she's also the one that is sort of like the I don't know if moral compass is yeah, moral compass of the movie. Like that's at the right. points where they're not really sure like what to do. She's the one that's like, ah, we have to do this. And like she does it in like the most like teenager mm-hmm. like, I really hate <laughs> this, but like I'm, I know I have to do it anyway. Uh, type of way. It's so great. Also, yeah, Elastigirl getting uh, getting to be the the center of attention with it and really like see her kind of move out of that like secondary mom role to being the star and like figure out the the plot and um, and figure out what was going on with Screensaver was just really cool because it also kind of like you said flips the narrative on its head, but it also lets uh, a, a female superhero be the lead, which. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be talking about Captain Marvel in the future and a couple others, but there haven't been a lot of movies where f- 
female leads get to do that. Female Wonder Woman last that. year, really. Yeah. I guess if you want to count um, Harley Quinn and uh, Suicide Squad, yeah. maybe. I mean, she's close at least, you know. Yeah. So it's, I mean, everybody got to develop. Everybody got their shine. And also I, the action scene, I just can't say enough. Like the final scene on the boat, I really was like clenching my like seat, like the hands on my seat. I was really right. into it. Um, and Edna also like, what what a cameo and her and Jack Jack, he is uh was he is um inquisitive and I am stimulating or something like that. We deserve each other. Uh, like the whole the whole crowd erupted where I was. It was perfect. Yeah, she you know she's voiced by Brad Bird. Really, <laughs> that's fantastic. Did not know that. Yeah, she's she's great a great great character. Great bring callback from the first one. How did you feel about those? Uh, there's more than one gratuitous shot of elastic girl's hips uh, in the movie. I saw a lot on Twitter about elastic girl, Loki thick, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it, they make her waist like incredibly like thin, but then her thighs and ass are big. I don't know how that's supposed yeah. to work. It's, it's a little strange um, to speak of something a little bit more though. Uh, I was really glad Bob Odenkirk didn't end up being the secret villain in this, yeah, <laughs> which sure. he almost is in every single thing he voices. Um, and Catherine Keener, who yep. you know her from 40 year old Virgin as the love interest in that, but in a ton of other things as well, I thought it was great. But what did you think of screen slaver as a villain in general? Right. So I think, um, I think overall, I think what, what they did with screen saver was, was smart because it, it, they didn't keep up the ghost throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you ha- you knew that the villain had to be someone we had already seen, so you know I think most people were starting to guess that it was Odenkirk or Catherine Keener, one of them, right? So I'm happy they kind of got into the true villain plan eventually. But I, mean, I thought I think it's I think Screensaver is a, com- a compelling villain. I think the use of hypnotism was smart. I think that that fight where uh, he kind of traps Elastigirl I thought went well. Um, now it's interesting because the movie takes place in the '60s. There's no smartphones, but he's still, or she's still, all about the screens and how it makes people lazy and you know complacent. And it was interesting, just because it's like it's a very modern uh, criticism or point. Yet it's still taking place in the '60s. Mm. So I thought it was effective overall, but it made me think a little bit. Definitely, um, yeah. I, I I thought Screen Slaver is probably the it was a good villain. I thought very intriguing and just like uh, visually like stunning, especially because a lot of it is hypnotizing. So there's a lot of like flashing and things like that, which draws you to it. Um, I did think it was a very like meta, like comment on society right now um, for sure. I think, I think the one thing, if I had to pick one, pick one nit with this, they never really get the underminer. Like he's out there, dog. Like <laughs> John I want to needs that cameo, man. <laughs> for, for real. Like I, I was like, they're, they're not even going to go get this guy. Like they're going to put the superheroes away and then they're just going to let him run free. Like he's out there. He's going to get robbed another bank. Yeah. But, I mean, my, my guess going in was like, yeah. Oh, so they'll vanquish him in two minutes to start the movie. Then yeah. they'll get on with the real movie. But now he got away. Interesting call. Definitely. Um, <laughs> so where, where do you stand on Brad Bird? Cause he Loki has a fire ass filmography dog. Iron Giant, Incredibles, Ratatouille, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, Tomorrowland is only real miss. That's not even that bad. And then Incredibles too, pretty impressive. Iron Giant's the best one out of all those. I agree. I think that's pretty, pretty, uh, 
common lukewarm take yeah. for most people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, overall impressive. He's you know it's interesting because I think he's like the he's the first guy to have an internship at Disney Animation. So he's like really one of Disney's you know OGs, born and bred stars. Yeah, and 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 I think he did spend some time away from Disney, then he came back, and you know like um. Andrew uh, Andrew Stanton is it? Andrew Stanton made Finding Nemo, then went off and tried live action. Kind of missed, or actually really missed with John Carter. Then he came back and did Finding Dory. Brad Bird, he's done two uh, live action movies, but the second one, Tomorrowland, didn't totally land. So he goes back and does animation. So it's it's kind of cool how these like talented animated guys can just go back and jump right into what they're really great at and just knock out of the park again because finding dory was the highest grossing animated film uh, as of 2016 when it came out with 135 million opening weekend until incredibles 2 Smashed fucking blew the shit out of the water 180 million this past weekend not only is that obviously the biggest animated weekend of all time various other records regarding that but it's the eighth biggest weekend period it's slightly ahead of Civil War and Beauty and the Beast. Billion dollar films. Crazy. So, you know, shout out uh, Pixar yet once again. And you know what else is impressive, given that this is an animated film? They were originally slated for 2019. Then Toy Story 4 was having some story issues, so they pushed Incredibles up. So they basically took a year away from Brad Bird and company to make this movie. Um, it's, it's, but it's that, that doesn't look like it when you watch it. <laughs> no, and... You know, I, I think if, if anything's a testament to Brad Bird is that Incredibles, the first one, was so good that 14 years later, not only does he pull in that younger audience, but everybody our age, everybody a little bit older who saw Incredibles, it's like, I need to see this. And it just speaks to his ability to write these stories, to direct them in a way that sets beautiful and intriguing it was interesting to watch some of the older clips of the first incredibles i haven't seen it in a couple of years and uh just like the animation just looks so much better now which is kind of crazy because the animation then was really good so yeah. it's it's just amazing how far it's come and i, I don't see pixar slowing down anytime soon i mean toy story 4 is gonna be enormous so yeah, that's that's a year from now too <laughs> crazy uh we're gonna wrap up there any last thoughts on incredibles uh you know, inter- we don't have to get into it, but Anne Rand, obviously the libertarian uh, god godmother, right? Um, apparently, pe- there's a lot of talk about is Brad Bird an objectivist? Is The Incredibles an objectivist text? And we don't have to get into it, yes or no, but just Google that. It's, it's an interesting thought to see how people, what people take away from Incredibles and try and make it say it's yay or nay for objectivism i think it's very interesting um so check that out for further reading <laughs> that's your reading assignment for the week next week we're going to be talking about tiana taylor uh nine inch nails what else we got for music washington Jurassic washington. world fallen kingdom and westworld season two something we haven't talked about in a minute and if you know anything about nostalgia you know we'll have some thoughts on westworld <laughs> I- i've heard very up and down thoughts i haven't been watching so i gotta catch up and not looking forward to it so mm-hmm. uh we'll, we'll get into why next week yeah sounds good uh until then follow us on twitter at nostalgia pod go to our spotify playlist uh as of the time you listen to this it'll be updated with all the music we're talking about our favorite songs from those projects damn near uh, 60 songs already this year so there's definitely shit you haven't heard so check out that playlist quality music year thus far um <laughs> please Follow Dave at Martin Swagger and myself at Shining World Peace and give us some feedback. 
um, through soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod. Comment on all of our YouTubes and subscribe. Share us with friends. Share us with family. Help us grow. We appreciate you. We love you. Uh, give us a rating review on iTunes. See you next week. Yeah.